Welcome to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. This is a podcast that celebrates films with a 90 minute or less runtime and is entirely curated by guests on this podcast. Today, we are joined by Joe Cunningham, presenter of the Cinematic Universe podcast, a podcast all about comic book movie adaptations. Hello, Joe. Hey, Sam. How's it going? Uh, Very well, thank you. Thank you for dialing in. Uh, well, thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited to be talking about short movies. As I think I mentioned when I was briefly on the Christmas special, comic book movies don't tend to be 90 minutes or less. So I deal with lots of long, bloated movies, and it's it's nice to be talking about something nice and compact today. I was going to say, so you're a, you're a big cinema fan. I, I see you on, on Letterboxd and Twitter talking about movies. But yeah, comic book movies don't seem to do the 90 minutes or less thing. No, although there was there was Teen Titans Go to the Movies, which I think a couple of your guests picked out on the Christmas special uh, last year. But yeah, mostly you're talking about two hours, ten minutes as being a, a brisk superhero movie. So because you host the Cinematic Universe podcast, do comic book adaptations take priority when you, you come to, it comes to choosing a new film to watch at the cinema? New comic book adaptations do tend to be the ones that just for our podcast we, we do have to see. So it does get to that tricky situation. Of, oh God, I need to carve out some time to see Venom this week. But yeah, I, I try not to let, I, I try and make them be additional cinema visits rather than the cinema visits if I can. But you, you'll know as well as I do, Sam, now that when it comes when it comes to watching movies, I, I feel like the cinema is just, you know, one, one facet of, a, I'm, I'm watching DVDs, I'm streaming. And yeah, it's it's a nonstop thing. And and yes, Letterboxd has become a kind of an obsession for me where <laughs> tracking what I watch throughout the year. And I think if it was just comic book movies, I'd go insane. So yeah, nice to get a mix in there. And at this time of year, it's it's more a case of trying to catch up on all of the Oscar nominated movies than it is all of the comic book movies that I've missed because probably I haven't missed any. Good. You've got to do your homework. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I've always been a believer in trying to see stuff not just because I think it's good because I don't think you appreciate the good movies unless you see the bad ones as well so you know it's it's nice to see something absolutely naff once in a while but some stuff I'll try and avoid but yeah get a good mix of, of good and bad long and short hey we'll bring it back to, to the to the point in hand and yeah superhero and non-superhero and when it comes to choosing a film, does runtime ever come into your decision-making process? I would actually say no when I'm at the cinema, because if I'm at the cinema, I, you know, I'm I'm there to enjoy myself and hopefully I'm not in too much of a rush. At home, yes, sometimes. I think, you know, if if, if it's, if I think, oh, do you know what, I'd quite, I'd quite like to watch a movie before I go to bed. And if it's already like half nine, I might be thinking, oh, do you know what, I could get a can get 90 minutes in still still be upstairs in bed for 11 so yeah at home i think it does a little bit more you sound like a man who's got it all figured out (laughs) (laughs) so when when it came to the 90 minutes or less film festival and and we were having our chat about what film you could put forward for the fest how did you go about that decision making process did you did you have like a number of films in mind so i i was listening to the early episodes of your podcast sam before before you asked me to guest on on the show itself and I, I did. I heard a lot of people 
I think some some people had like it had come straight to mind, and others had gone, "Oh God, what what movies are ninety minutes or less?" And I really didn't want to sit down in front of, in front of Google and like go, "Oh, I could do that because that's really good," or "I could do that." I just tried to think of movies that that could be ninety minutes or less. And in fact, I was driving with my wife, and I said, "Oh, is such and such ninety minutes?" Like, "Oh no, it's ninety six. What about this? Oh no, ninety four. And then I was like, I remembered the movie that we're going to talk about. And I was like, I am sure that is like around 70 minutes long. And it was. And so I felt quite proud that I'd, I'd landed on this without having to Google. And also uh, because it was a movie that I thought would be a, a little bit different from maybe what you've covered so far on the show. So I have picked Shane Meadows 2009 movie, Le Donk and Scorsese. So got a copy of the DVD here. And on the back of the box, rock roadie and failed musician Le Donc, Paddy Considine, is a f*** up. He's lost his girlfriend, Olivia Coleman, and his life has turned to shit. So Donk sets out to see if he can make rap prodigy Scorsese, playing himself, a star, and turn his own life around, with a little help from the Arctic Monkeys. Meadows' hilarious rockumentary follows the duo on a journey of a lifetime, an unpredictable, irrepressible ode to spontaneous filmmaking. Right, so this is going to be a spoiler-filled chat about Shane Meadows' 2009 film, as you mentioned, Joe. First up, this film has a beautiful runtime. You followed the brief to the letter, 74 minutes on the BBFC website. Magnificent. I know, we don't even, we don't have to get into credits, we don't have to get into whether the DVD version is longer than the Blu-ray or whatever. This is coming in under 90, whichever way you try and cut it up. You could probably add the deleted scenes in there and still get in under 90. Absolutely. And and on the DVD, there are plenty of deleted scenes. I have to say, it's quite a nice, quite a nice package. Got lots of good quotes on here as well, including a four-star review from Total Film and a quote from FHM, which you don't see on DVDs anymore. <laughs> FHM call it the spinal tap of Midland's white boy rap. Yeah, the, the comparisons that, that are rolled out there, This Is Spinal Tap and and I'm Still Here, I think, are the ones that are there on the Wikipedia page. I, I don't know why this doesn't this doesn't feel in the same vein as the other, you know, the mock doc music movies. It feels like, I, I don't know, for me, it feels more of a part of the, of the Shane Meadows oeuvre and of like British independent filmmaking. I think also, we'll get into this some more, but I think the songs, whilst it is sort of a, rock doc or whatever the songs really do take a back seat and it's more about the characters whereas yeah. in those other movies you mentioned you could listen to the songs on spotify or whatever after seeing the film and have quite a jolly time absolutely so i think this film needs a bit of context because this is a was made as part of an experimental sort of low budget film program that warp films and shane meadows were, were trying to get off the ground and as far as i can see i think this might be the only film ever made in under that scheme i think there was two and i think they were both uh, well, I, I I mean, you might be able to correct me here, but I think they were both Shane Meadows films because he followed this up almost immediately. Oh, actually, no, it was probably a couple of years earlier, wasn't it? The movie Summerstown. So actually, you're probably right. But Summerstown shares a bit of DNA with this in that it feels like a very, a very low-key movie that Shane Meadows was almost able to escape into and kind of make something that is, that is kind of lo-fi, but charming and... And, you know, sits comfortably under 90 minutes without feeling like it's something that he's just tossed off in his couple of days between movies. 
So this film, Le Duncan Scorsese, is made in five days. So the whole spiel about this was, can Shane Meadows make a film in five days for less than £50,000? With what Films, with his regular film production company and his regular producer, Mark Herbert. And I guess to do that, they've made an improvised film. And Shane Meadows is in the film, shooting the film. He's, a, he's one member of the camera crew, but he is playing director Shane Meadows and he talks about his other movies so there's a there's a bit of fourth wall breaking going on there but Paddy Considine his longtime friend and and collaborator is in character for the whole film as Le Donc sort of a failed musician turned roadie I mean Sam I, I I don't know about you I kind of feel like this movie sums itself up in literally its first 30 seconds I don't know if you want to bleep me here but uh it's from the moment that Le Donc walks out of his caravan and he says Let's go make music f***ing history in his kind of faux American cowboy accent. And and he and Scorsese, who is this, a, a real Nottingham-based rapper who is wearing his New York Giants jersey the whole time and a cap that says, give kids hugs, not drugs, as they walk out onto stage at Old Trafford to open for, as LaDonk calls them, the Arctical Monkeys. I think it's 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 kind of a crucial little opening because I think if you didn't have it there, it really sets the tone. It gives you such an idea. I mean, when when Ladonk says that, you hear Shane Meadows cracking up in the background because it's clearly as as just about everything in this film is an improv from Paddy Considine that has cracked everyone else up, and you're like. Oh, okay. So I get this guy. He's funny, but I'm not sure he knows he's funny. And also, this movie is going to take us to them opening for the Arctic Monkeys, because otherwise, about half an hour, 40 minutes into this 71 minute movie, you kind of wouldn't know what it was about. They're just following Ladonk and... He's going to be a roadie for the Arctic Monkeys, but you you think, well, come on, it's going to be a bit of a stretch for them to actually get scores up on stage like like Ladonk wants him to. But yeah, this this kind of little little sweet little thirty seconds at the start gives you the context that no 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 they are going to get there. Just bear with this absolute head case in the meantime, and he will take you to where we need where we need to go. You just reminded me about one one good detail about that, which also says a lot about the character of Donk. He's wearing his beanie hat and a cowboy hat on top of his hats. He's wearing two yes. hats at the beginning of the film. He never takes the beanie off, and I think that might be something to do with the rubber naff wig that is poking out from below it. What does it say on your hat? I just saw some writing Oh, yeah, kids need hugs, not drugs. Can, I have a quick, can you bring it into the camera? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Um, is that something you've come up with? Or? Yeah, it's my motif. Yeah, I mean, it's good for the media to it's see. It's good for the kids, like, you know. See that, he's not a rapper that raps about, you know. Do you want to leave you alone with him, or are you going to come back to me now? I think it's good that they have that scene at the beginning because you also see, I guess it's like Shane Meadows' message of making this film, and he's actually quoted in Screen Magazine saying he wanted to stick two fingers up to the establishment and make a film with their own money in only five days. And mm. I guess with that 30 seconds, he's like, look, I filled up a stadium of people. 50,000 people are, are here. And you can sort of see the production values at that point because they've got access to the Arctic Monkeys because Warp Records, I think, rep the Arctic Monkeys and it's made under the same label as this film thing. So it's about them, I guess, using who they know and and all that sort of stuff. Then after that sort of very brief section, you also get an animated title sequence, which I didn't expect to see, which I thought was quite charming. This is that I remember after seeing this one for the first time, I tracked down a bit of Scorsese's music and that track, which is titled Rupert Brown, which is his name, is 
really entertaining and then yeah this this kind of scratchy animation that they they put alongside it is really fun there's a there's a there's a bit of questionable lyrics towards the end and a bit of a groaty bit of animation that kind of sees off the sees off the song that i'm not convinced that if they made this movie in 2019 would still be in there but otherwise it's charming forget forget that 30 seconds or so otherwise it's charming i think there's a fair bit of that sort of stuff in the film which is like oh is that is that okay it might have been funny when they filmed it but i think because they're improving and they're really really good mates uh shane meadows and paddy considine i sort of think like the filters are, are off a bit and also because donk is he is a clown he is the guy i mean and it's normally him that's saying that stuff hmm. and you know he is he's reminiscent of i mean they they said they based him on roadies because shane and paddy were in a band together apparently back when they were school friends and they said that like there were roadies who you know would say oh like oh yeah yeah no, i've been touring with black sabbath and really you know they've been looking stuff around a pub gig down in southampton or something like that and so he's based on a kind of a, a your classic like bs merchant who whilst for them was specific to a roadie i think everyone has ha- has met people like that in a line of work someone who every story is an embellishment and just wants to be the life and soul of everything wants to be the center of every con- conversation and because of that they just open their mouth and don't really think about what they're saying and Zadonk comes out with some stuff in this movie that you're like, oh my God, is he saying, why is he saying that? That's either, that's clearly nonsense or, oh God, have you not learned that you shouldn't be saying that in front of people? But he is kind of an endearing idiot. And I think because, I think because this character is someone that the two of them have affection for, they almost put him on quite a redemptive arc throughout the movie that, he will he will say stuff first and then kind of realize afterwards and kind of come back and apologize for it not always in the in the most appropriate way but i think i think the the message of the movie is ladonk's heart is in the right place even if his mouth isn't always you see that quite a lot throughout the film where especially with shane who is a character in the film on the camera where he'll take him aside and he'll say oh donk did you did you mean to say that <laughs> It's quite nice seeing a filmmaker engage with his character like that on screen. Like I, I can can't really think of any other times I've seen that. But so you've got that interesting dynamic of, yeah, Paddy is playing a character, but Shane's playing himself, and all of Shane's movies exist in there. Like he he references his documentary about the Gypsy Fighter, doesn't he? Mm. It's an interesting vibe, and it is nice the way that the characters interact with each other because that's always the vibe that I've got from warp films as well that here are some, I mean, for me at the time anyway, local British guys doing good stuff in the industry and just trying to just trying to put the stuff that's interesting to them up on screen and see whether other people find it interesting too. I think this, this might have been more of a, a mix in terms of the reaction because the, the reviews for Ladonk were, yeah, I think you either find, you either find Ladonk funny or you don't. And by that, I mean the character. And if you don't, I guess the good news is 71 minutes. But if you do, great news, because like if you find him funny, this is 70 minutes of just kind of like trying to stifle laughter from everything he says. Yeah, what's the crack? I felt a bit like loads of toxin people like 
hanging around and that, and buffet trolleys and shit. Obviously, it's a documentary size, like I said, it's just for like a documentary crew. Hey, what? A documentary crew. Right. Yeah, I thought it was like going to be a big film, and I was wondering why you'd make a film about me anyway for the first bit. Yeah, it's not like my other films oh, where I'm you like... have like a massive, massive crew or anything. No. Do you want to come in then? Yeah. Ladonk starts off in Nottingham, goes to see his pregnant wife, played by Olivia Coleman, Sam. It's crazy. I had no, I sort of, because I'd seen this film when it was first released. And I think for then I was like, oh yeah, Olivia Coleman, she's in Peep Show, that's cool. But, yes. uh, but, but watching it now, you're like, it's Olivia Coleman. She's about to win an Oscar for the favourite. And, and the journey she's been on in, in this 10 years is phenomenal. But here she is kind of, on the one hand, I think it's strange casting, but on the other hand, kind of perfect because you kind of wonder how did she put up with Donk in the first place but also she is kind of the perfect encapsulation of well if, if Donk threw this away because he really did he threw he threw what was he say I mean it's really dark but she, when she gets pregnant with his child rather than asking her to get rid of it he tries to get her drunk and then takes her on a roller coaster which is <laughs> That's, again, Sam, I think probably the stuff that wouldn't make it in anymore. Mm. But because of this character, you kind of let it slide because you're like, you know, it's probably the kind of stuff that this idiot would do. But she's just delightful. And the fact that she has a new boyfriend and Donk is struggling with that. I think there's a bit of connective tissue, and I don't know whether you'd agree. There's a, a tiny bit of connective tissue with LaDonk here and Stephen Graham's character in This Is England. That guy who sits in a room and you know there's kind of aggression and nastiness bubbling below the surface. And it's not it's a time bomb as to as to when it will come out. The difference between the two is that because Donk's an idiot, he can't he can't quite cover it up the way that Stephen Graham's character does in This Is England. And and he what he kind of flips zero to sixty, doesn't he, in This Is England and and the violence. That, that comes out at the end of that film. I think that's something that you see in quite a few Shane Meadows characters. And, and I guess he did just come out of This Is England before working on Le Donk. I think Shane Meadows said he had a, a life-sapping two years editing This Is England, and that's when they came up with the idea to do Le Donk. <laughs> I mean, you, you can understand. That's a movie that's dealing with some dark themes. This isn't so much. And yeah, you've got the, you've got the flip here with Donk is a guy who... You can imagine if you pissed him off, you would you would you would feel his wrath. But because he's got the cameras in front of him, he can't quite unleash that. And also because he's a bit of an idiot, he can't quite handle it either. So he tries to be passive aggressive with the boyfriend, but just ends up being aggressive and kind of confronts him face to face and humiliates himself, basically. The boyfriend is played by Richard Graham, who's the editor of the film and was the editor on Summerstown. And you just sort of feel like they're just bringing in whoever's available on the shoot to come and be in the film. But completely kind of holds his own because what that role demands is, which is kind of what every role in this movie, I think, demands almost, is to try, is to stand there next to Donk and go, I'm going to laugh at you when you're funny, but I'm just going to shake my head at you when you're embarrassing yourself. It's quite interesting seeing Paddy Considine play a clown like this because he's usually playing quite a serious character when you think of his, say, Dead Man Shoes character with, with Shane Meadows and, mm. and his dramas that he's been in. But I was I was sort of trying to work out how maybe Olivia Colman came on board. And of course, in 2006, they were both in Edgar Wright's Hot Fuzz yes. uh, on, on the police force together. And I'd love to think that they just hit it off there and he's like, all right, you can be in Ladonk and I'm going to cast you in my 
directorial debut Tyrannosaur in a few years' time, and then this like sort of friendship sparked. Hey, what a triple bill that would be, by the way. The, th- <laughs> the, the three Paddy and Olivia movies getting progressively darker as well. I think throughout those set, throughout those three films. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Hot Fuzz is probably that is. That is probably when I think of, of Paddy Constein. That's the that's the comedic turn. He's he was also great in Death of Stalin last year. I think he's great, Sam. I think <laughs> he's one of those actors that it doesn't matter what he shows up in. Do you know, you, have you seen the Empire magazine? I'm, this is a decade old at this point, but they have this concept of twenty seven percenters, who are actors who they're not they're never going to be like top of the bill in a Hollywood hundred million dollar movie. But any time they turn up, they pique your interest by about 27%. And Paddy Constein has to be one of those. In, in in all of his work with Shane Meadows, he's fantastic. I mean, and, and now as a filmmaker as well. I love the guy. I I, I love that this, this movie exists, which is basically just a vehicle for his comedic talent. Because coming out of Hot Fuzz, he definitely deserved it. No, totally. That was the first time I'd seen him be funny but you're right he does have that he can do the comedy not enough people ask him to do the comedy if more people could get paddy in their comedic films that would be that would be quite nice do you think the pacing because it's improvised but they obviously must have had a few things blocked out like we're gonna have a van we're gonna have a scene with olivia coleman at a house we're gonna do old trafford with the arctic monkeys do you feel like it's got like quite a satisfying narrative around those one-liners and the gags think so i think it's it, they've clearly they've clearly worked out and they we need to do some stuff at home with ladonk we need to take him on the road they then get their break and then he kind of tries to take the big break from scorsese i think it's a, it, you know it's it's a nice little neat narrative to to just hang the improvisation around it's nothing too complicated and then there is that that big kind of that that big dilemma for donk at the end where does he go back to see his child and potentially miss the chance to to perform with scores in front of 50,000 people at Old Trafford? Yeah, it's neat. I think it's neat and tidy, and I think it's appropriate for this movie, which is, I think, fairly feel-good that he's able to go back and see the baby and still get back and, as as he says, make music history. It's called Le Donc and Scorsese. How do you think Scorsese comes across? Because for me, I... He's he feels like a little bit of an afterthought. Yeah, well, I think if you look at the poster, it's Ladonk and Scorsese. I, I, you know, I think this is this is Shane Meadows seeing a local artist that he quite likes because he does he, he sits in the background, but at the same time, when it you know he's there to he's not a comedian, he's not an actor, he's a rapper, and I think basically Shane Meadows is there going. I like you. I think I, I like what you do. I'm going to give you what showcase I can, and that is to stand on that stage at an Arctic Monkeys gig and perform. And I think anytime he raps, you're like, yeah, he is quite good. I'm enjoying this, and and I think that's what he's there for. And around Ladonk to just kind of act as you know that he's the one guy who never really breaks. He's the one guy who never laughs at Ladonk because he, I, I, and I think he's frustrated by him and. I think he's probably learned. I, I think he probably he knows both sides of Ladonk, which is that as you go through the movie as an audience member, you see he is an idiot. He, he is full of BS, but there is kind of heart of gold at the at, below it all. And I think Scores has probably seen that. So while Scores gets annoyed by him, he also knows 
here's here's a guy who is I wouldn't be here without him so I'm just gonna I'm not gonna say no and so what that leads to is a lot of yeah a lot of straight man stuff where everyone else is either laughing or getting annoyed with Ladonk and Scores is just going yeah that's who he is he's so good at not cracking or, or breaking character because he's he and he just keeps that straight face when Paddy Constantine's really going for it, which is admirable, especially for a first-time actor in, in something like this. He just reminded me of the... Uh, so when they do inevitably play on stage, the the line, calm down Deirdre Barlow, <laughs> that, had me, that had me in stitches. What do you think of... So what, what, as a music film, what do you think of the, 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 that, that final music scene? It, it is a music film, but it's a musical comedy. The, song, the songs, I think, are there, or the, the, the Ladonk song, at the end is there to make you laugh yes yes you know scores is doing some good verses but the whole thing is it's undercut by the comedy of what the donk is doing mm. i mean so so for anyone which i imagine there will be a lot of people who haven't seen this scores gets his break the saying right come on scores we need to figure out what you're going to play and all of a sudden they go into they, they go into a hotel room to play it to the rest of the guys who are involved in the film and scores is rapping but all of a sudden Ladonk's got this piece of paper and he's rolling out this piece of paper and before Scores has even finished he's going calm down Deirdre Barlow calm down Tinky Winky and you go, what, what's, wait, what's going on and so he explains that he's gone, he's gone it's the randomness of it you know I'm telling these people to calm down because everyone gets irate every so often don't they and you know it's just like every, everyone will do. So I'm just picking the random names and like, because yeah, yeah. Hilda Ogden at one point, she will be needed to be told to calm down. And you, and at this point of the film, you're thinking, well, obviously what's going to happen is Donk's going to learn the error of his ways and Scores is going to get up there and perform on his own. But no, we get, we get to the final Old Trafford gig and we have this, this calm down refrain, which, and then the song literally ends with LeDonk kind of fast rapping this list of random celebrity names and all the time with his folded up piece of paper in front of him. It's <laughs> the, the the image of the guy with the beanie, with the cowboy hat on top, reading out those names. And yeah, I, and I don't know why, but Deirdre Barlow is the endearing, you know, the enduring name from that. It's the one that I walked away from. And I think anyone who's ever seen it, just calm down Deirdre Barlow. That is that is musical comedy, Sam. I quite like the sort of ramshackle nature of their performance because he's playing a, a pre-mixed tune on a keyboard. Uh, so that's his musical contribution. And then he has this folded up list of names. And I think at one point Donk's unsure about who's going to be on the list. And he's, he's just writing everybody's name down. And he's going to see what happens on the night. Donk! Just calm down, Deirdre Barlow. Just calm down, Stephen Hawkins Calm down, Tinky Winky Just calm down, Mark and Mindy yeah. This is a silly comedy, but also it does have this this like charming side to it and it does have this sweetness in there as well but the film never never allows itself to fully embrace it because of the because of the character that donk is that is the arc for the character the character increasingly owning up to being an idiot but never quite being able to escape that so right at the end when he finds out that he has to he he, he that's what i like as well he knows he has to go back he knows he has to go back and see the baby because that's his kid but 
his first thought is, well, I mean, so if I can't perform, no one can perform. Hmm. Not thinking that that is Scores's gig that he has managed to wheedle his way into. So that and that whole exchange where he's going back and forth and then he just goes, no, what am I doing? I'm being a clown here. And it's kind of the, the like the revelation for him of this journey that he's been on during the film, which is this isn't about me. I've pushed my way in. Why am I dressing it up? I'm pushing a button on a keyboard. Anyone can do it. Scores, you can do it. And then go, right, live your dream, man. I'm fine. And then goes back and says much the same thing to Olivia Coleman's character. But at the same time, really, really wants to be back at Old Trafford. He's like, I've done the right thing. I'm here seeing my kid. But can I go now, please? <laughs> and kind of ways. But you also, I, I don't know if you'd agree, Sam, you feel like if she hadn't have said go back, he wouldn't have gone back. He he needs that kind of permission. Yeah, he's like a little kid in that respect, I guess. Like he, yes. He's looking for some guidance from some people, from the grown-ups in the film, yeah. which is basically anyone else around him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when she gives him the go-ahead, he goes back. But I just think it's it's really sweet in that scene that you've kind of seen this progression of a character. That and, and the movie doesn't I, I don't think the movie needs to have that kind of that kind of growth because it like it's a movie that's set over seventy two hours. But it does it does have that mini arc to Donk where he increasingly and I think through being surrounded by these slightly more level headed people and not being the the person who is always able to take over the room because everyone around him is more talented and probably more intelligent as well. He kind of checks himself and and he does the right thing in the end. He wants to do the right thing, but he really really wants to be on stage more than anything and yeah. that's what's like motivates him throughout the whole the whole movie like when a film crew's following him and at the beginning he's like, "Oh, there's not many of you. What's going on?" Like he just wants to be a superstar. He is a nobody who's spent his entire life telling people that he is a somebody who finally gets that chance. And he's like, what he doesn't realise is that the chance to be a somebody is the is the being a parent to his kid, whereas he just he's got it in his head that I know it, it would be making a tip myself for, for two minutes before the Arctic monkeys come on stage. The Duncan Scorsese is in the 90 minutes or less film festival. And Sam, only 70 minutes. You've got you've got a bit of time free there, you know. Cause I imagine I imagine you can you can pretty much keep your slots at the festival even length, right? So I think we've got a little bit more time at the screening to do some stuff around the edge. Well, that's a, a very good thing to bring up. So what we <laughs> like to do at the film festival, you know, it's, it's a treat to see these films on a big screen with an audience. Best way to watch a movie, in my opinion. But we also like to add some trimmings around the side. So what would you do, Joe, in your dream Le Duncan Scorsese screening to heighten this event? I mean, I didn't even need to think about this. You just you just get Le Duncan Scorsese out to perform a couple of tunes, don't you? It's 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 so simple. I mean, you don't there's no thrills. Maybe you could do a Q and A with Shane Meadows and Paddy Constein, but it, you know, with Shane and Paddy in their movie personas, mm. it has to be it has to be Ladonk the whole way through. I would love to see how that character composes himself when actually having to speak in front of a crowd. I imagine he would stay in that faux American accent the whole way through it, because that's what he seems to be doing when he's really been the showman. Yeah, it would be it would be so much fun. I do you know what? If tomorrow these two guys said, "Oh, we're going to make a LeDonkin Scorsese follow up that's going to be another seventy minutes," I would be on cloud nine. <laughs> Maybe Sam, they could make a, a ninety minutes or less movie about performing 
at the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival. It's the reunion yeah, that, show. That'd be great. Yeah, like we, again, breaking that fourth wall and just continuing the story. Yeah, and then you'd have to play it at your, you know, whenever you come around to do the second festival, you'd have to play that movie at that festival. And it would it would end up being a kind of Eurobrus situation. Have you seen on the DVD of, of Le Duncan Scorsese, there's, um, the film had its world premiere at the Edinburgh Film Festival. Have you seen that little documentary? Uh, I haven't, no. Tell me about it, Sam. It's quite interesting. It basically sounds like they've reached into your brain and then gone back 10 years and have done <laughs> what you would do. So I, I think also the nice thing for me as a festival programmer is I can see that there's proof to your concept, like it works. So they take Le Duncan Scorsese up to Edinburgh. Donk's in a bit of a grump because they don't have the main evening slot. They're in a small screen and Shane Meadows is explaining to him, it's a micro budget film, mate. It's only made for £50,000. You know, it's really nice just to be here. And they order a, a, a pink stretch Hummer for Scorsese to go to the screening in and they send Donk on a rickshaw <laughs> and they just film the two of them. And he's like, Shane Meadows doesn't know what he's doing, sending me on a rickshaw. <laughs> Not allowed in the limo with Scorsese, and Scorsese's dressed in a big fur coat, and he's got sunglasses on and a, like a white cowboy hat, and that's how they they introduce the film. Donk in his beanie, Scorsese in his fur coat. They show you the after party as well, which it really is like the party in the hotel in the movie. Bottles of beer, packets of crisps, fold-out tables, <laughs> homemade banners. <laughs> that's perfect. But I guess how how we're one-upping them there, Sam, is. Ten years later, we get to see how where these characters are now, and also our concept of the we're literally making a sequel as they're playing at the ninety minutes fest. The reunion show. Do you think we can get yeah. the Arctic Monkeys? How how well connected are you, Joe? Probably not as well connected as Shane Meadows. I mean, in in this movie, it's funny, isn't it? They kind of get two of the Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> they all walk past at one point, and then they get they've clearly had them for five minutes. But, you know, I mean, Shemed has obviously since gone on and made that epic documentary about the Stone Roses. Maybe we don't need the Arctic Monkeys. Maybe maybe this time Shane can can bring the Stone Roses out and they can be the they can be the subject of that sequel. Oh, this is sounding like more and more of a hot ticket uh, for the festival as we go along. The, the acts are getting bigger and bigger. And I feel like I know the answer to this uh, based on your love of the movie. But do you think this film could or should be longer than 90 minutes? It could be. But what I think what's what's so fun about this movie is how fast it rattles through and and the pace it goes at. Um, I think I think rather than the movie being longer, it's good that the deleted scenes are on the DVD. Watch the movie, watch the deleted scenes, but keep the movie that perfect. Seventy, what was it? Seventy-two minutes, you said. Seventy-four minutes for the theatrical version. Seventy-one on DVD. That's your frame rate. Your frame rate compression, Sam, which is which is gonna I can only imagine play havoc with some of your future guests. I'm going to have a really good time explaining that to, uh, to, to <laughs> non-technical people. It'll be wonderful. So there we have it. Le Duncan Scorsese programmed in 90 minutes of less film festival headline slot with the Stone Roses and the Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> and most importantly, Le Donc. So thank you very much for joining us, Joe. Where can people hear more of your voice on the internet? The Cinematic Universe podcast is where I do most of my stuff now. You can follow us on Twitter at cine underscore verse, and I present the podcast alongside Seb Patrick and James Hunt. So thank you for listening. Please do like, favourite, uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Hey, we're also on Spotify now. You can contact us at 90 Min Film Fest on Twitter and Instagram. 
And the show was produced by Louise Owen and me, Sam Clements. Our music is by Martin Ostwick. The show was edited by Luke Smith. And our artwork was by Sam Gilby. And the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest will return in a few weeks. (laughs) 